Hello and welcome to Talking Events, the industry podcast brought to you by Event Industry News, being recorded today in the fabulous surroundings of Twickenham Stadium. Um, we were invited by the event and hospitality team here at Twickenham to set up the Talking Events studio in one of their hospitality suites overlooking the pitch. And uh, a fabulous invitation. The hospitality here has been great. We should say a big thank you uh, to them for allowing us to do that and uh, recording this batch of, of episodes. Um, on today's Talking Events, we welcome for the first time into the Talking Events studio, James Anderson from Arena Group. James, thanks very much for joining us. Hi there, how are you? Very well, thank you. Um, a bit of a different episode today um, because we've invited you in for a, for a one-on-one um, to talk a little bit about Arena Group. People will be no doubt familiar with the name, with the company and broadly what it is you do, perhaps less so with the history and the rich history that the company's got um, and your involvement really with, with some of the most iconic venues and sporting venues um, in the UK and how that's then developed worldwide. Um, let's start by talking a little bit about your, uh, your own role within Arena, what, what it is you're responsible for. Uh, so I'm the uh, commercial director for Arena Group um, I'm responsible for, I would suggest we call them big one-offs, special projects, things that are uh, slightly different to the norm of the core business of the group. So fundamentally, Arena sort of started its life um, in 1765. So we've been around a long time. Um, we started life as, um, I think it was called Black and Silver, um, and Silver Town in London, um, it was, its name came from the fact it was black and silver. Um, they were a sail maker and a rope maker, um, and they basically did hangman stuff at the Tower of London. So we, you know, we've got some um, some fantastic sort of history, um, and uh, that sort of that's that's that, that sort of leads itself quite nicely to the sort of the length of time that we've been with some of our sort of major clients. Mm, absolutely. Um, if you think, if you look at the Henley Festival, we've been doing that for 80 years. Um, down on down on the Thames there, um, 60 years at Wimbledon. Um, we've been working with the European Tour for 25 years. You know, we've got some great, great long-term relationships. Um, and they, you know, they trust Arena and they trust Arena Group to sort of optimise their revenue streams um, with with hospitality clients, with sponsors. Um, the general public, etc., etc. Uh, on next week's um, episode of Talking Events, we're, we're going to be inviting you back into the studio yes. um, yeah. alongside a couple of guys from um, Lord's Cricket Ground and yes. also Twickenham itself to discuss how uh, venues and sporting venues are expanding their permanent offerings to incorporate more events and to offer a broader spectrum of events there. But this is by no means a, a, a new concept, is it? This is something that Arena have been doing with sporting venues for a long, long time. Yeah, that's right. I mean, with with Lords, we've been, you know, Lords, I think, are about 250 years old. We've been working with Lords for a long, long time, putting in temporary seating for them. Um, you know, every time that there's a, um, an international match there, they want to increase their, their capacity for seating. Um, we have to be quite clever because there isn't that much space to, do, to, to put stuff. So, you know, we, we, put, we put a lot of stuff in there for them on a, on a yearly basis. Um, Twickenham, exactly the same. We, d we delivered a, a huge amount for them for the Rugby World Cup. Um, you know, so it's, yeah, we, we, we enable um, permanent venues to host annual tournaments 
um, outside of what their, their their core business generally is. What are the benefits of them of, of, of doing that? Why don't they just go ahead and build the stuff all the time um, and have it there all the time? Let's let's look at Cheltenham for example. So the Chel- Cheltenham week, which is just which is just sort of gone. Um, we build there. Well, I think it's the longest triple decker in the world. It's six and a half thousand square meters, 125 meters long. Um, th- I would suggest they probably get the largest chunk of their revenue um, for, for the Gold Cup week. Um, they literally couldn't afford to have that building built and maintain it and run it for for um, for a, as a permanent venue. So it absolutely pays them. The revenues they get from their, from the uplift and their hospitality spend and the, and the revenues they get through there enables them to, A, pay us to, to build it and then you know, um, increase their offering. When we're talking about a, a structure of that size, even though it's going on a temporary basis, that, that's still a very, very long project in terms of when you've got to start building yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. So the, um, the, the, Cheltenham, the Cheltenham week is middle of March. We put down our first base plate um, straight after Christmas on the 4th of January. So it's fundamentally a, a two and a half to three month build, which includes, the in, which includes the building of the structure, but of course the design and the internal fit out to make a temporary building look like a permanent building. Uh, how regularly does that design change? Uh, annually. So, f- so um, we will work very closely with um, the Jockey Club, uh, We've, so we've been working for the Jockey Club, the Jockey Club for about 25 years uh, around all the various venues it's got. Sure, yeah. And everywhere that we go, we will, we will put different designs in, um, different concepts, and, and fundamentally change it on a yearly basis. What, what, what shapes those design changes? Is that led by people like JCR, by the Jockey Club Racecourse uh, organisation, or by their clients? It's, it's a bit of both. It's by the Jockey Club, it's by us. We, we will present them new designs on a yearly basis. They'll, they'll tell us what their thoughts are. They'll mm. get customer feedback of what they want to include. Um, NFC stuff, the, 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 all the sort of... Um, the, the stuff with mobile phones, no, the contactless the, the payments, contactless payment, and all like that. that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. as t- as technology changes, we need to change our offering. So it's it's a it's a continuous evolvement of what of what we do. So, so, so you have a direct responsibility for those elements as well as the actual structure itself. We do the inter- we do the complete internal fit out absolutely. So for instance, if um, yeah, so the whole thing is, is that something that a lot of people may not be aware of that they'll think oh arena group yeah they put the structure up and then we've got to fit it out ourselves uh, yeah i'd imagine so um our, one of our biggest one of our biggest um, revenues and one of our biggest offerings is is internal fit out um, right. we we're not just a, we, we are we, we're a arena group have core businesses of seating structures and furniture with our spaceworks brand and of course arena ice we do 30 odd ice rinks a year mm-hmm. around the country well around, around the world in fact um, but we have an interiors business that does some fantastic designs, in, and we, so we design it, we, we build it, we manufacture it. Yeah, we do the whole nine yards. Um, but the, the, the ice rinks then is, is, a, is a whole other conversation itself, yes, because it win, winter events have, have, have grown massively, haven't they, in yep. recent years? And we're seeing more and more of those ice rinks, but perhaps that, that, that one's for another day. Yeah, but absolutely. We, we, we've highlighted that the, the scale of the structures at Cheltenham uh, is everything that you, that you do uh, is obviously a special event, but is everything that Arena do specifically these high level special events or, or, or is there smaller scale stuff as well uh, yeah we do everything really so we so we we might deliver six and a half thousand square meters of a triple decker for the rugby world cup on a like, like as we did at twickenham or we might deliver a 500 square meter um event for i don't know somebody like renault for a for a car launch you know we, we will do we'll do comp- we'll, we, we do both ends of the scale so big sporting events we do we do uh, sort of conference and events work. We'll do exhibition work. You know, there's lots of stuff that we do rather than... So we're not just a, a structures and a seating company. You, you mentioned that 
you do have these long relationships yes. and, and ongoing relationships with with a number of venues. But um, have you seen, a, a, as an organisation, as a company, and, and in your particular sector, a growth within venues as a whole looking to expand their permanent facilities and the benefits of utilising temporary buildings and infrastructure to do that? Yeah, I mean, there's more venues around now than there's probably ever been. They want and like to have the option of putting up temporary venues to give them exhibition, to give them exhibition space, to give them hospitality space. Um, so if you look at any, if you look at sort of any open space, um, all of a sudden they can be a venue. And certainly with our help, they can be a venue. How random uh, have those open spaces been in your experience? Are they, are they necessarily in these high-profile locations or could they be quite off the beaten track? Uh, no, they can be anywhere. I mean, if you look at Commonwealth Games um, that the, the OC wanted, you know, they built, for instance, um, areas in... Um, in sh- on a sh- they built some stuff on a shooting ground, you know, where there was absolutely no infrastructure whatsoever. So it's, company, it's companies like Arena and some of our competitors um, that, that enable them to do that. What, what, what's changed in terms of the actual... The, the hardware that, that, that you're offering, you mentioned the NFC stuff and the, the actual fit-out of some of these buildings. Um, how has how, how the, the, the day-to-day activities of the modern consumer helped shape what you have to deliver for your clients because of what they need to offer their end users? Um, we're generally, if we're working for a brand, um, we, we, we obviously have to work within their, their, their brand guidelines and we generally get a steer from their marketing team as to what they're trying to deliver. Right. So... Um, we, we will work hand in hand with with the, with the corporates to ensure that what we give them pretty much what they want, mm-hmm. um, which 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 could include the building, the interior, the NF, you know the, the the whole thing. But it's we will come up with suggestions as to what they want. But they these you know the if you look at the car manufacturers, for instance, we do quite a bit of work for. Um, they're they're cutting edge stuff. That you know if they're they're developing new technologies every day. Certainly with the electric side of. Of, of the motors of the motor industry at the moment so so they're they're there and they want to sh- they want to be able to show that off to their uh, to the public when they're when they're hosting when they're hosting their events and we we can assist them to do that can we talk a little bit about the stuff that you're doing um uh, overseas um i don't know if that's something that you can you're allowed to talk about um how much of it is protected but um y- my understanding is you're involved in in the summer olympics this year down in rio um uh, why the why the need to come to a company like Arena over here to bring that expertise uh, uh, over that sort of distance? Um, I mean, what are you doing in terms of leading the way and, and setting examples to other companies? I think we should talk about Great Britain here. Um, we work very closely with the UKTI, and 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 Britain has got a phenomenal knowledge in delivering what is classed as overlay. Right. The overlay expression is a, is quite a, um, an overused word, but fundamentally it means if you if you look at the Rugby World Cup that's held at Twickenham. You've got the venue here today, which is just fundamentally a bowl mm-hmm. with some car parks. This is a vastly different place to how it was for Rugby World Cup. So if you, if the word overlay, if you, if you um, take, if you lift Twickenham up and you tip it, if you tip it out when the Rugby World Cup was on, everything that falls out is, is classed as overlay. So it's anything that's temporary. With the um, the 2012 Olympics, the 2014 Commonwealth Games, there is such a huge amount of knowledge. UKTI absolutely actually promote certainly arena um, worldwide uh, to the OCs at um, uh, at uh, Rio, um, Tokyo 2020, um, Korea, Pyeongchang, um, and of course um, uh, the um, 
the Commonwealth Games in 2018 Brisbane. So, so we've got the, the UK Tigers are out there telling everybody that Britain is great. Britain can help you do your overlay. Britain has got some fantastic companies that can deliver, deliver your, your sporting events. Um, so it, it works really well for us. So hence why we, you know, we built um, the amazing uh, beach volleyball at Horse Girls Parade I in 2012. Well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so from from scratch to to an, it was an amazing. It was an amazing. It was the in fact it was the only completely turnkey project at, at the Olympics in 2012, um, and and that has enabled us to, to basically take that model and take it to Rio and take it to Brisbane, etc. etc. Et so we're asked to do stuff on the back of what we've done before. Not just in terms of the, the, the scale of the projects that you're involved in back in 2012 and, and the London Olympic Games, how, how much uh, of a learning curve was it for Arena Group and, and how did it help shape the business in order for you to move forward in terms of what you learned by delivering those projects? Um, one thing that we, <laughs> the main thing that we learned is that we, we, we want to do one big job very, very well. We don't want to tr we're not trying to take over the world we're not trying we don't want to um be the biggest supplier in the world by far but we do want to be the best and we are and we do believe we're the most we're the most professional i think we've by far we've got the most experienced team in the uk that the go around the go around the world for the project managers the cad designers our own structural engineers that that, that help us build stuff um so uh yeah when when you're delivering something of that scale, you said you want to do one project yes. really, really well. Yes. Have other companies, and perhaps it, it may be tricky if you to answer, but I suppose it's an opinion. Have other companies made the mistake of falling into the trap of let's do as many as we can because that's good for business? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think so. Um, um, we have a um, a reasonably small team. Um, what what we what we what we certainly won't do is overstretch ourselves for the sake of trying to of trying to uh, win more revenue. For us, it's about delivering the job right. Um, for both the client, from the from the client's point of view, and from from our sort of EBITDA point of view, you know mm. these things have got to be profitable. We've spoken a lot about sporting venues, yes. and it's and it's clearly a, a big big area and a big area of expertise that, that uh, and rich history for for Arena. But um, I, I, I'm looking at, as as we're we're sat here now, looking at, at pictures of stuff that you did at uh, V a few years ago, the yeah. the, the, the R House, the the, the yep. Virgin R House structure. Um, Inevitably, music festivals are another area that have grown significantly in the last few years. We, we, when we look at music festivals now and, and what they are now and how they're delivered in 2016 compared to how they were delivered even 10 years ago and 20 years ago, the level of infrastructure that's now in those particular events is massive, isn't it? Um, people's, the, the consumer expectation of what they want, even at a temporary Greenfield event, has changed completely. If you think about Arena as a whole, um, a lot of the stuff we've talked about being at sporting events is fundamentally grandstand seats and, and temporary structures. But if you, you know, we do a massive amount of music work. Mm -hmm. uh, so live, like, so, so Elton John concerts, Lionel Richie this year. There's, there's a huge amount of stuff that we do. You know, pretty much every week we've got seats. Um, most, every time you see, pretty much every time you see, you see temporary seats um, on the TV, it's us. And we do, you know, we do a huge amount of, of, of television work. We do, so it's not, it's not all about sporting. Yes, yes, we do some fantastic sport events, and we do, but there's a lot of other stuff that we do as well that perhaps don't, people don't know too is, much about. Is the process of delivering those other types of events, um, the, 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 the music festivals, the music concerts, is, is the process of delivering them 
any different at all to delivering the sporting events? Are there different considerations that have to be met in light of the type of event that it is? I'll give you an example. We did um, we did sport relief um, a couple of weeks ago with seating, and we fundamentally we had the call on the Friday. Mm. The seats had to be installed over the weekend for the Monday morning. So um, it was literally a 24-hour turnaround from, have you got them, can you install them, can you be here tomorrow? And um, it was literally, we have the capability in the business to be able to react really, really quickly to last-minute to last minute demands. Uh, any reason as to why that was left so late? Was it just a last-minute addition to the programme? Ask the BBC, I don't know. But it, 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 <laughs> it, we have some fantastic relationships with, with the yeah. ITVs and the BBCs of the world, and they actually know that if they suddenly decide we want to put some more seats in or whatever, they know they can call us and we will deliver it. And we do it, we do it time and time again for them. Uh, I'd like to highlight something to the people listening to, uh, to this episode. Um, and I believe it was what you did at uh, the arena did at Aintree for a number of years where you installed a uh, triple-decker, right, triple uh, I think it was, yeah, yeah, hospitality yeah. at Aintree, which subsequently, as a, as a result of that going in over a number of years on a temporary basis, they did actually decide, do you know what? This works, we're going to put this in permanently. I know that you mentioned earlier on that, that, that some of the costs of doing that, it's not going to be applicable in every scenario, but how did that come about and, and has that paved the way for other venues to, to, to almost test the water on a similar basis? Um, it was fundamentally about proving a model. So um, Aintree had a wish that they wanted to try something out. They wanted to, they wanted to um, have a, they wanted to expand their hospitality offering um, they had to prove to their board that it was going to be a, a cost-effective thing for them to do to spend the money. So we they they came to us and asked us to build to build this temporary over over um, over a, a three or four year contract. Um, and by by putting in the top level of hospitality that they were going to replicate in a permanent in a, in a permanent building, we proved that it was it was by that they could absolutely get the return on their investment that they needed. So, th so the services that you provide are very much a means, if needs be, of a of a venue testing the water. Yeah, absolutely. So there's there's one particular venue that we that we do some work at, um, that they um, throughout the th throughout the winter period they have a built a temporary building there that they use as a conference and small exhibition centre with breakout rooms. So it's mm -hmm. a it's a conference uh, theatre style upstairs with breakout rooms downstairs. Um, that is then the walls then come out and they use that for hospitality. Uh, for their main for their main sort of show jumping events um they also have uh, music licenses um so they sell that as top hospitality for um for for those for those types of events and what it fundamentally means is that is that they can they can prove the model to the shareholder the investors that by having this type of venue there um that can come down at any point it can it can we can make it bigger we can make it smaller we can we can grow it, et cetera, et cetera. If, if they'd have invested in a, in a permanent building and, and the model didn't work, then they've got themselves a white elephant. So it, it's, um, it's very much given them a means, like you said, not just to, to, to test the water, but, but, but prove to, to stakeholders. Because most of the venues that you'll be working in will have major stakeholders yes. in them, won't they? Which, Absolutely, yeah. which, which will need to sign off any, any form of investment that's going to go into their venues. Yeah. Um, how challenging is it then to, 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 to meet the demands that you've got from the clients who are wishing to deploy your, your, your actual structures but work within the budgetary constraints that maybe that those stakeholders may, may alleviate on them. Um, is it something that, that, that happens regularly or do you find that, generally speaking, by proving the business model, you are given scope to be able to expand those operations if the client needs it? Um, that's a good question. I think the best way to talk to, to sort of to, to answer that is, is to talk very briefly about eye shrinks. Right. We... 
this year we've we've built um, around 30 ice rinks, but we've actually operated um, we've operated half a dozen ourselves at risk. So we've taken the we've taken the view that the venue that wanted the ice rink, the footfall is big enough. Um, the, re the venue can get extra catering revenue from having the, the, the skaters there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we'll take the, rink on, we'll take the, the risk on putting the rink in. Um, and that, that's, that's a, similar sort of, uh, a, a similar sort of answer to, to, to the question with regard to putting up a, a, temporary, a temporary conference centre. We, we, we might take the risk with the venue. It's something that we would, that we would look at a, a risk share. A risk share. But, but confident that but by proving to stakeholders that the concept works, absolutely. then that will be delivered time and again in subsequent years? Yes, absolutely, yeah. But it has to be the, it has to be the right venue in the right place with the right amount of footfall for us to do that. But at the end of the day, we're a business, and if we can make money out of uh, adapting what we do, then we're going to do that every day. And uh, I mentioned earlier that, that, that perhaps winter events is subject for another discussion, but while, while you've mentioned ice rinks, um, how has, the, has the, the development of winter events improved Arena's business, but also then shaped how you need to operate by considering how the differences in, in operating and delivering your types of structure during the winter periods? Um, it's a good question. Um, Arena are very fortunate. So because of our ice work that we have, um, we've sort of flattened the curve. Um, most, most structure businesses... A peak in the summer months, so you, you get you get no revenue, no revenue, massive, massive revenue, no revenue, no revenue. Mm -hmm. So you'll you'll you sort of you, you break even during the winter months, and you make your profit during the summer months as as a normal sort of marquee company would. And um, that's not us. Uh, we you know because we have we've invested heavily in ice equipment. We own our we own our own ice rink kit ourselves, and we don't hire it in from anybody else. It's all us. Um, it basically means that we've got that our that that we've levelled off our profitability throughout the year. So we're busy pretty much 12 months of the year now. Which has solved a number of issues, as, uh, as you said, in terms of keeping the, keeping the kit on the road. Are you, are you able to utilise a lot of the kit that you use, use in the, the summer months now on these winter events, or is it a totally different portfolio of uh, hardware? No, no, no. So, I mean, obviously ice rinks, we don't put very many of them in the, in the summer, but certainly skate exchanges and cafes and, yeah. and that sort of stuff, it's all kit that we've got that wouldn't otherwise be used. So we've just added to our portfolio really the right way. And, and, and how are the... Um, uh, when we go back sort of full circle to these historic relationships that you've got, um, how you mentioned that the, the, the venues do change year to year, but do, do the relationships get better uh, as the years go on? Do they change significantly, or is it just these sort of constant refinements of the internal layouts of some of the venues that you're looking at from uh, each year? We have, to, we have to adapt with technology. We have to, we have to be a, a, an ever-evolving business. Um, so we wouldn't just constantly put the same structure in year on year on year because we'd get bored of doing it, they'd get bored of having it, and we need to constantly innovate or else we would just lose to our competition who would be innovating. How much do you learn from other suppliers within the industry? Um, not necessarily those that are in direct competition with what you do, but presumably you work alongside suppliers of all descriptions and shapes and sizes. Um, how much are you able to learn from the industry as a whole? Uh, I think we, we learn every day. I, I think that um, if one thing we're not, we're certainly not as complacent, and, we, and I don't think that um, we would ever think that we that we we know we know everything there is to, to, to know about about building infrastructure events. Um, we have to we have to be changing. We, we're, you know, we're a changing industry. Every event has to be different. Where, where you've got um, numerous let's choose music uh, music festivals you know yeah, there's yeah. the music festival that all of a sudden there's there's hundreds of them there's hundreds of them and what differentiates one festival from another 
what differentiates one, <laughs> one fettle from another is the same as what dif differentiates us from our competition. We have to be different and we have to evolve. And you have to make sure that the offering is, is clear and well identified. Absolutely. Um, we should uh, wrap things up there um, on today's episode. As I said, we're going to be welcoming um, James Anderson back into the studio next week where we're going to be expanding this discussion um, on a wider level. We're going to be welcoming um, Nick Kenton from Lord's Cricket Ground and James Lee from the Twickenham Experience on to next week's episode of the podcast um, to talk a little bit about what they're doing as venues and incorporating uh, companies like the Arena Group um, to expand their own offerings. Um, if you've got any comments, anything you'd like to, uh, to put to the podcast relating to today's topic um, and directly to James and the guys at Arena Group, um, by all means tweet us at Talking Events. We will tweet some links directly to their own uh, website and to their own Twitter handles so that people can get in touch with you guys directly. Um, you can watch a video of the podcast on the Event Industry News website and via the Event Industry News YouTube channel. We should thank James Anderson once again for joining us. Thank you, James. Thank you. Thank you again to Twickenham for um, their hospitality and allowing us to set up the studio in their hospitality suite overlooking the magnificent pitch. The sun is shining. It's Great a perfect venue. time to, uh, to wrap things up on today's episode. For the time being, you've been listening to Talking Events. My name's James Dixon. Thank you very much. Thank you.